Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. If I had to have a title for today's sermon, if you're looking for one this morning, it's simply this, that God's got you. That God's got you. I know that may not be grammatically correct, but we all understand when someone says, hey man, I got you, right? Now, in my pre-Christian days, we used to go to Waffle House to eat all the time, um, but we used to live by the hookup system, amen? Oh, everybody saved in here. Ain't nobody ever used the hookup system. So when you're hungry, you don't just go out to eat when you're hungry. You go out to eat when your homeboy is working at Waffle House and can hook you up. Oh, that's all right. We all saved sanctified folks. That's okay. But I had a a life before I was a Christian, right? And I was a sinner. And so that's how we lived our lives. Our rhythms of our life was based on the hookup system. If you wanted to eat, you had to text your homeboy, hey, you working? And hey, is that manager on shift? Because if a manager's on shift, you can't get nothing away. But if he's working, he can give you the free all-star special, double waffle, double hash browns, double covered. Amen? Amen. And you get it for the low. The bill come out to like $3, $4. Tip the waitress, be on watch your business. And so I lived off the hookout system, and the words that you always wanted to hear when you showed up and you look your boy in the eye and be like, hey, I got you. In this sense that I'm going to cover the tab, I'm going to do what I have to do, I'm going to use my resources, my influence to make sure that you are taken care of. Not because it's fair, not because it's right, but because you're my boy or you're my homegirl. And there is a sense in which the book of Jude is not encouraging us to steal, because that's stealing, amen? Don't do that anymore. Um, The word of God isn't encouraging us to steal, but it is reminding us that God's got us. That the bill that is coming due, we won't have to come out of our pocket to pay. That God is surely at work, not just saving us, but preserving us until that last great day. And that is what we see in this exhortation, a familiar benediction. But remember what the book of Jude is about. The book of Jude is simply about struggling in the faith about believing the the right things and not being torn away, not being led away by false teaching. And in our day and age, there is no shortage of opinions and voices. You turn on the TV, you turn on social media, and there is Christian and unchristian alike telling you what you should think about something. And it could almost be overwhelming because the voices are oftentimes contradictory, are they not? You can't be a Christian if you do X. Matter of fact, if you're a Christian, you must do X and back and forth. And finding the grain of truth can be hard to discern. And we get a little worried sometimes. Am I in the faith? Am I believing the right things? Or maybe it's not information we're concerned with, but the pattern of our lives. Maybe this quarantine has showed us that we are not as spiritually rooted and grounded as we thought we were. Maybe our prayer life has gone off, our patterns of sin have scattered into different areas of life, and things that we haven't struggled with in years we now find ourselves battling with. Where is the hope for us today? When the amount of information that we hear is overwhelming, the the battles of sin that rage within us are overwhelming, and the hope that we see seems to be fading by the day. Where is the hope for us? Jude 24 is going to end his letter telling us to remain in the faith by telling us that it's not our efforts that keep us there, but God's power. Look again at verse 24. Now, 
to him. Let me stop right there because now to him is pointing the direction of our hearts. Now to him, whatever comes after this is the result of aligning our hearts, minds, desires, and emotions to God. Now to him who is what? Able to keep you or protect you from stumbling. We're going to see three things that the Lord does in verse 25. We're going to see how he is able to do that, and that's where we're going to end our time. But the first thing he tells us is that he is able to keep us from stumbling. Has anybody been stumbling a little more than usual these last few months? Has anybody found it hard to keep our faith and our feet solidly on the path of righteousness? And sometimes the answer to sin is more work. At least that's what we're told. Well, you wouldn't struggle with this if you prayed more. You wouldn't struggle with this if you fasted more, if you read more, if you were more holy, if you served more, if you did more things, maybe you wouldn't struggle so much. And if that's what you've been told, I pray the Lord will free you from that bondage this morning. Because that is re-enslaving yourself to the power of the flesh. The book of Galatians says it like this, that, that he began a work in you by the spirit. We're not going to see that work completed by the flesh. You were saved by the supernatural divine intervention of God in your life. I was not looking for God. God was looking for me, and he rescued me out of my sin. He now doesn't leave it up to me to figure it out. It is God who protects you from stumbling. It is him that protects you from falling away. And so it's not about doing more, but surrendering more. And he is able to make you stand firm in the presence of his glory without blemish. To make you stand. I love that because in the Greek, it literally says to make stand. Anyone ever try to make a child stand up that doesn't want to stand up? Like you got to grab them by the shoulders and shake them a little bit, like lock the knees underneath them. Right? That's the image that the word of God is painting, that God, we are unable or unwilling to, to stand in front of God. Because why? Because God is perfect and we are not. If I stood before God today after preaching this sermon, I would still be afraid if it wasn't for Jesus. Because he sees what you don't see. He sees the, the thoughts and the intentions and the desires. He sees the things that play out in my mind. He sees the vain glory and the pride, even in the most humblest of acts. He sees all of that. And to stand before him without the blood of Jesus covering us should instill some fear. Amen. Because he is holy and perfect. And yet God through Jesus, is able to make us stand. He holds us up and presents us as perfect and without blemish. That verse should sound familiar. It's the same imagery we get in Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 1, Revelation chapter 12, this idea that without, sp without spot or wrinkle, that God will present us as perfect. And I love this last part, and with great joy. And with great joy. You see, the Christian life is not merely do enough good things. The Christian life isn't just a system of laws and rules to keep. And if you keep enough of them, maybe God won't strike you down at the last day. No, it is God presenting us at perfect. And the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And so we stand in front of God with great joy. Now, that's all kind of looking forward. How does that give us hope today? I'm going to get to verse 25 in a second. 
but how can we stand, how does standing in front of God with great joy give us hope today? Let me give you encouragement, y'all. We have been taught implicitly or explicitly that we have to earn God's love. That the reason your prayers aren't being answered, the reason you're struggling with so many things is because God is mad at you. And it's about trying to keep up with all the good things that he's commanded us to do. It's about getting back on the horse and all these trying to be a better Christian, a better person. That is not the gospel. The gospel is you can try if you want, but you cannot save yourself. You will never be good enough. And yet God gives us a solid foundation of hope today that when we stand in front of him, we look forward to that day. Because we will meet our father and not our judge if we are in Christ Jesus. My kids are, are still young enough to still like me. And so um, that won't last forever, I know. Um, but they're still young enough to get really excited when I come home. And so every time I walk through the door, and, and fathers, you know this feeling of when you walk in, that, that the, the sound of feet coming around the corner. The sound of screams and yells because daddy is home. No fear of punishment, no fear of what I did right or wrong, just daddy's home. And one day we will say that because we will be at home with our heavenly father and there will be no fear of judgment or being cast out for all who have been put their faith in Jesus Christ. It'll be nothing but utter joy. And we experience that joy even today. God is not mad at you. He's not the disapproving father. He's the patient Loving Father, waiting for us to come back every time we fall. Waiting to restore us every time we wander away. And that's the hope that we live in today. But verse 25 is going to give us the foundation for that hope. Because these are big promises, y'all. That our sins are not going to be counted against us. That the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough and sufficient enough to wash away our sins and to make us stand as if perfect before God. By what basis do we have confidence that these words are true? Well, benedictions have two parts to them. They list the things that we should praise God for, and then they list the things upon which those that praise is based or founded. What is the foundation of truth upon which we should be worshiping? This great joy that we'll have, and that's verse 25. It says, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. By what basis can God say, I will wipe away your sins? Well, the fact that he has all glory, all majesty, all dominion, and all power, and all authority. By what basis does he say, it's okay, come to me all you are heavy laden and I will give you rest? By the fact that he has all power, all glory, all majesty, and all authority. This is not someone who wishes well for us. This is the God of the heavens and the earth, the one who decreed things into existence. And it's based upon that power that he says, come to me and experience the joy that I have for you. Friends, let me redefine faith for you. Oftentimes, we understand faith to be holding on tightly to the things of God. And the reality is, some of our grips are growing weary, aren't they? Some of our hands are getting tired. 
We look at the issues that we're facing in our life. We look at the the struggles and the worries and the uncertainties, and we're trying to hold on. We're doing what we've been taught to do. We're holding on. We're holding on. We're holding on. And I would submit to you that that is not the purest and simplest picture of faith we get in the Bible. Faith is not holding on to God. Faith is letting go, believing that God's got you. Faith isn't gripping the scriptures. Faith is trusting, following the God of the scriptures. Anybody want to come up here and volunteer to do a trust fall off the stage? Nope, we don't know each other yet. It's all right, we'll get there. Some of you got me? I appreciate you, Haven. You're not going to do it. Remember the trust fall? I don't know if y'all used to do that, like camp or something like that. Um, don't ever do that with teenagers. It will never work, right? Because it's always funny to watch somebody fall than to catch them. But the point is turning around and not being able to see someone and trusting that if you were to fall, they would catch you. Now, I've done this trust fall before. And I got to tell you, they did catch me. But that two and a half seconds of in the air, you're always wondering, are they really going to catch me or, or is this about to be a joke at my expense? Are phones out capturing this moment, or is they really going to catch me? And that two and a half seconds of falling down in the air with no hands yet are touching your back, and you're wondering whether God is going to catch you. Do you see what I mean? Faith is living in that two and a half second space of God, I don't know. God, I don't have the answers. God, I don't know what's going to happen next, but here I am trusting that you got me. And that's what faith really is. It's not your holding on to God, but it's trusting that God will catch you. And so the Christian life is more about surrender than strength. It's not about how strong you are in the faith. It's not about just purely your study and your effort. Faith in the Christian life is about surrender. It's about God, you can have this part of my life too. God, I'm going to give you Sunday morning and Sunday night and Friday morning and Friday night. God, I'm going to surrender more of my life to you. God, I'm going to give more of my hopes and my dreams over to you. I'm going to trust you with my family. I'm going to trust you with my finances. It's not gripping on to the things of faith. It is letting things go and saying, God, you can have this too. And how can we be assured that God's got us? That is the whole point of the book of Jude, especially verses 24 and 25. How can we know that God has us? To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time. That is how we know God's got us. Because there is nothing in all of creation that is outside of God's sovereign and good rulership and control. But sometimes that's the scariest part, isn't it? Surrendering. Being strong almost has like a heroic feel to it. Like we we love watching the Marvel movies and, and other movies like that because there's a hero. And we see ourselves being that hero, being this strong man or woman of the faith of fighting sin and temptation. And there's a place for that, but that is not what Christianity at its root is. It's not you being strong. It's you surrendering more and more, knowing 
that God's got you. Would you take a moment and just examine your life and say, what area of my life does God not have glory, majesty, power, and authority over? Maybe it's relationships. God, I will give you my heart, but when it comes to relationships, I I need to control that. When it comes to my career, I, I need to control that. When it comes to how I spend my time and finances, I need to control that. What area of our hearts have we not surrendered to the lordship of Jesus? Because it's not just rebellion, it's not just disobedience, it's probably because of fear. God, if I give this to you, will you really catch me? God, if I surrender this area of my life, will you really hold me up? Family. Let me say this morning that this isn't just a benediction to be said out of rote memory. This is the very foundation of the gospel itself. You see, a God who loves us but is unable to save us is not the gospel. A God who gives us rules and commands but not the power to obey those commands is not the gospel. A God who feels bad about us but is unable to do anything for us is not the gospel. We see of a God who says, come and I will catch you because all power is mine. All authority is mine. Have I not proven myself trustworthy? The word of the Lord says. Have I not proven myself reliable? And yet, there are still areas of our life We are afraid that God doesn't have us, that God is not going to catch us. Maybe it's an area of life that we feel like we tried before and God wasn't moving fast enough. I'm guilty of that. God, I'm going to give this area over to you as long as you do the things that I want you to do in the time frame that I want you to do it in. God, you messed up and I'm taking it back. How is that working for us, church? How is living life on our own terms working for us? Don't you hear the love of God saying, come, that I will make you stand. I will protect you from stumbling. I will present you without blemish and with great joy if you will just trust in my glory, in my majesty, in my power, and my authority. I got you. That is what the Christian life is all about. It is an ever-increasing opportunity to surrender more of our lives more of our resources, more of our time, more of our ambition, knowing that God's got us. Let me say this. This is why this is good news, y'all, because there are some who have experienced the abundance of God's provision in this season. I don't want to take away from that. There are some who feel closer to God than they've ever felt before, more supplied by God than they've ever felt before, but there are still others yet that feel like they're hanging on by the very tips of their fingertips, and they are so afraid of letting go. That anxiety and worry and uncertainty, the rhythms of life, the kids' school online, the uncertainty about jobs and future, and we feel like we've been holding on for as long as we can, and we are so afraid of letting go because we think that if we let go, we would stumble and fall into despair. Hear the word of the Lord saying, don't give up 
surrender. Don't give up, brother or sister. Surrender. Don't just quit. Surrender and give it over to the Lord. The Bible says that we should cast all of our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. There is an exchange of God's love when we give him our burdens. And so don't just throw your hands up in resignation saying, well, I guess whatever happened will happen. Whatever will be, will be. Don't just give up. Surrender it to the Lord, knowing that he has all power, all majesty and all authority in heaven and on earth. God got you. It's not just about believing the right things. It's not about just having the correct doctrine. It's about having an intimate relationship with God the Father, knowing that he will keep you from stumbling. It is his power that holds you up, not your discipline. It is his love for you that sustains the Christian life, not your love for God. Is there a right response to that love? Yes, there is. But at the root of it all is God's work for us. Do you really believe that if you surrender to God, he will keep you from stumbling? Do you really believe that if you would just trust God, that he would present you perfect before the Father? And that you would have great joy in this life and in the one to come if we would trust in God's power, his authority, and his rulership today. I believe the Lord wants to free some of us from ourselves this morning. I believe the Lord wants to free some of us from ourselves this morning. You have been striving and struggling. And today the Lord is calling you to surrender. I'm talking to believers right now. Even as believers, we know the Lord, we love the Lord, we read the Bible, we come to church outside, we do all these things, and yet in our hearts, we are still striving to make God happy, striving to do more so God would move in our lives. We're still striving and holding on rather than surrendering and giving to the the Lord. Family, I know it's scary. That two and a half seconds of falling, wondering whether God's going to catch you, wondering whether it's going to actually work out, wondering if you should still be in the driver's seat of your life or if God can really be trusted. I know that it's hard. That's why it's called faith. Because there's still an air of, man, God, are you really going to do this? But that's where the Lord meets us in, y'all. He meets us profoundly in that moment of absolute surrender where we just fall back and say, God, I quit trying. It's you who's going to present me without spot. It's you that's going to give me great joy. It's you that's going to make me stand. All that I have to do is trust in your majesty, your glory, and your power, and your authority, both now and forever. Amen. I know these are uncertain times, y'all. I know there's a, a million reasons to be unsure. I know there's a million reasons to worry and be anxious. But either God is God or he's not, y'all. Either God can do or he is not God at all. And if you've trusted him with your salvation, surely he can be trusted with your finances. 
If you've trusted him with your salvation, surely you can trust him with your relationships and your future and your career and your finances and your ambition. Surely God can be trusted with these lesser things if we have entrusted our very souls to him. But there's something inside of us that says, I don't know. Maybe I I should hold back this part. Maybe I should keep control of this area because it's too precious. And I believe today the Lord is calling us to surrender. Let me give a final word to those who may not know who God is, may not have a relationship with him. Maybe you have been raised your whole life being told that being a Christian is about doing more good things than bad things. And you've looked around and you've wondered how everyone else is able to manage that, how everyone else is being able to pull that off. Well, let me give you a secret. We're not. We're not pulling it off. Christians are not people who've got it together. Christians are people who've just quit trying to get it together and have trusted God for salvation. So if that's you, if you want to quit trying to pretend that you have it together, if you want to quit trying to earn God's favor, today there's salvation for you. We're going to pray and we're going to worship, but there's going to be people at that table right back there that want to pray with you. Do not leave this place believing that Christianity is about doing more good things than bad things. Do not leave this place believing that if God who starts the work, but it's up to you to finish the work. If that's you, we want to have a conversation. We want to pray with you and for you and begin to walk in this journey with you as well. Do not leave this place believing God to be someone that he's not. Believe in God to be anything other than a good, good father who loves us and will preserve us until the end. Is that true of your life today? Do you believe that about God today? Are you willing to give it all over to God? Every area of your heart to say, God, I trust that you got me. I trust that you're going to catch me. I trust that you're going to come through according to the good pleasure of your will. I think that's the call for us today as we end the book of Jude. It's not just believing the right doctrine, but leaving in the heart and character of a God who loves us and saves us and continues to save us until he presents us perfect and spotless before the Father in heaven. Would you pray with me now? Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. God, we thank you that we are not left on our own devices to try to figure this thing out. God, I thank you that it's your power that sustains us. It's your power that presents us without blemish or without fault and with great joy. Father God, thank you that you are not pleased by our efforts. You are pleased by our submission and our surrender. And God, I pray for my own heart this morning. And I pray for every heart of every believer today, God, that you would help us to surrender more of our heart this morning. You would help us to surrender more of our lives today. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.